Hey everybody, my name is Austin. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Colton. And we're three close friends who have a desire to share our lives, experiences, and our pursuit of Christ, all from a biblical perspective. You're listening to the Exiles Podcast. Let's talk about it. We are back. Well, at least part of us are back. The other ones just got back from New York. Guess one, who? One. One. The other, what did I say? The other ones. Did I? <laughs> oh, well, one of them just got back. Did he just go on a vacation? He just went to, what's this, not Waco? Where's his family from? Like, Fort Worth, maybe? Yeah. He just got back from Fort Worth on a family. He says a week in Fort Worth three times a year is not a vacation. It's just going to see family. That's right. That's right. But it's away from work. It's a time of rest. And then he goes to New York this weekend. A weekend trip to New York. At, so I went to London when the Queen died. Same week the Queen died, I was in London. He goes to New York when Tim Keller passes away. How about that? Is he the theological equivalent of the Queen? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, is there a one-to-one correlation? It is kind of a big deal, though. I mean, he was a pretty profound guy and he planted a church there in New York which isn't the easiest place to plant a church if you're a Christian mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm just joking man Tim Keller he had a lot of good stuff he had some stuff that was a little iffy some stuff that I like to stay away from but he also had some good stuff mm-hmm. the stuff I like to stay away from was enough for me to stay away from it most of the time but yeah you know I, to be honest I think I recognize him because he's so well known but I'd I think maybe I've read one Tim Keller book mm-hmm. my whole life, and it was for a seminary class on church planting that he wrote. I will say, if you're listening to that guy preach or teach or just talk, he did have this, I don't know, it's like authoritative wisdom to him. Like, you just listen to him when he talked. Have you ever looked at any of his sermon notes? You know, like his manuscript? No. It is one of the most difficult puzzles to look at. It's a puzzle. And if you can navigate your way through one of his manuscripts, then you are genius level. It was absolutely insane. You should just, after the podcast, after we record, just Google Tim Keller sermon manuscript. It's insane. It really is. So you have to look it up. You won't be able to keep up with it. You'll look at it and be like, there's no way he preached like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he, he had it all in his head. Maybe that's why his notes are so bad. <laughs> He just it's put it on his notes to throw you off. Yeah, there it is. It worked. Is. You know, my, I found, me and Anna, when we were moving, I found my first sermon ever written. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could go back and just slap the old me. Because I, my first point was an illustration. Not an illustration like that I'm speaking, like I'm sharing with people, but an actual picture that I drew to describe what I wanted to say. That's how you know you're not ready to preach. If you're drawing pictures to remind yourself of what you meant to say. I'm a big visual aid guy myself. I feel like if you're preaching to kindergartners, that'd be pretty helpful. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Maybe even for a PowerPoint or something. How old were you when you did your first sermon? 17, mm-hmm. 18, seven, probably yeah, 16, 17, somewhere in there. That's good stuff. It was... um. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of refined. You actually helped me refine that first sermon. You helped me refine it later on in college. You might not know. You do. You do know that it was, it was Isaiah six. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really, you were like, this guy has no clue what he's talking about. I never said that. But you didn't have to. <laughs> you bought me that R.C. Sproul's book on the holiness of God, mm-hmm. and I read it, and I was like, oh, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm sitting here talking about the holiness of God, like I know what I'm doing. Sixteen year old me preaching at churches. That's all her, that was RC's doing. You know how desperate a church has to be to ask a six. Well, I say that in Charles Spurgeon, his first sermon, he was 16 years old and he blew it out of the water. So there you go. I don't know, I mean, if desperate's the thing. I think, you know, yeah, I don't know why they do it. I don't know if desperation's a thing. I don't it's probably know. hard to, I mean, pulpit supply is pretty hard in certain contexts, I think. Yeah. So if someone comes along and they have an eagerness to teach, Kind of like, all right, well, I think there's a place for that kind of stuff, just maybe not in the same venue, maybe that you and I were allotted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's good, you know, have an opportunity to kind of exercise your 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 ability to talk about the Bible and communicate publicly and like have a monologue, you know? Yeah, those are good things to have, you know, spaces for, but maybe not the pulpit on a Sunday night. I'm thinking more of a protected environment where the congregation is more protected and you, as the one who is sharing, is more protected. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think. I like what Ryan, Dustin, and Greg do, giving some guys opportunities to teach on at the fellowship group nights. Not all of them are mm-hmm. regularly in the rotation, but they'll give a chance to someone. But it's underneath the authority of the elders. It's in an environment where there's good forgiveness and grace and where we can correct in love and truth. So mm-hmm. I really like that kind of environment, something like that. Yeah, I think an open dialogue type situation like that's better where you can kind of be like, well, you know, gently be like, well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but maybe you should look at it this way. You mm-hmm. know? Whereas my first couple monologue sermony things, I, I for sure, I don't know if I ever just spewed straight heresy, but I know I got close a couple times. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you. one of the things that, one of the biggest critiques I always had on you was your hand motions. You always had some crazy hand motions, especially when you were teaching on the fall of man. That was a crazy, crazy time. <laughs> well, some people well, use uh, crayons and some people use hand motions, you know? I did. It wasn't crayons. It was permanent marker oh, and pen. That's good, yeah. It was, um, I think it was on the fall of man, like the that part of the illustration. It was like man was walking and then he fell. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Sell. Fell over on the ground. A little stick manly on his face, yeah. flopping around. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and then like a cross coming up, and then like the man being picked up through the faith in Christ on the cross. I'm seeing this, man. You feel it? I see it. It's a. It, it'll preach mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere. All right. Well, let's get to a topic. I was thinking about this. Been meditating on this the last 24 hours. I say 20, not 24 hours straight, but really have been thinking about this. We talked about it a little bit last night in the fellowship group. Um, a couple of the groups at GCC are going through Philippians throughout the week. And so we came to uh, talking about Paul at the end of Philippians chapter 1, where he says in verse 21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Right? But one of the points that Greg made yesterday was that Paul was really setting an example for uh, how to lay down your own personal desires for the desires of others, you know, how to put others' interests before you. And so I thought that, that would be a really good topic. That's a topic that we wrote down a couple months back when we were getting everything organized for this podcast. Is about how do we 
put others' interest before our own. So, Colton's not here to jump in. Mm-hmm. I want to throw that one to you. What are your initial thoughts on that question? How do you put others' interest before your own? I don't know if there's just a straight, just one answer. I think it's always situational, circumstantial. I think the the first step to kind of being obedient to that is obviously, yeah, I think the first step to being obedient to that is, is get involved. And I think that feeds into a lot of what we talk about as far as community and churches and fellowship and really get involved in each other's lives. <clears throat> so you have to be involved. You have to know somebody. You have to know what their interests are. Obviously, I don't mean interests. It's like hobbies, but like, um, things that benefit them, things that are good for their soul, for their, I mean, for their physical and spiritual well-being, mm-hmm. you know, their their interests, what what um, what they need at that given time. So you have to know somebody, and when you know somebody, even when you know somebody, you have to be involved. When you're involved, you have to be thinking about those people and not thinking about yourself. Yeah, I think the first time, maybe not the first time, but I remember thinking about this passage and um, reading Ecclesiastes a lot. Not too terribly long after I got to Weed Warriors, and uh, I don't know, man, just kind of struggling with the lot the Lord had given me in this season, because I had bigger and better and grander plans for myself, you know. And so here I was as a lowly, a lowly weedsman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I was kind of having difficulty with some pride and stuff like that, you know. The Lord really humbled me through that. But just thinking about, you know, being happy with the lot the Lord's given you and whatnot, and then. Uh, thinking that the Lord had given me that lot and then I could glorify the Lord in my job and then thinking about the fact that my boss is not only my boss, he's also a believer. Mm-hmm. And so I have a unique responsibility. I have this, well, I have a joyful responsibility and honor now, not only to honor the Lord in my work, but also to honor the Lord in my relationship with my brother, who is also my boss, by looking at after his interests. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when that landed on me, I really felt like, a light switch went off, and I kind of took a lot more ownership in my job. I felt more responsibility to to help where I could, to give advice when I could, to fix things when I could fix things, to really just kind of step up, go the extra mile, and not look at it like a job or not even just a job where you glorify the Lord, but also an opportunity to serve my brother because my brother absolutely uses his business not primarily for his own gain, um, he could pay us a lot less and pay himself a lot more. Mm-hmm. He doesn't use it for his own gain, but as a way to bless us. Yeah. And so he's looking at after our interests. And so it's this nice uh, uh, symbiotic relationship that we have where he looks out after us. And uh, the more we look out after him, the more he can look out after us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought that landed on me pretty hard. Uh, the first time I really thought through how Sometimes looking out after other people's interests also is looking out after your interests, which kind of sounds, <laughs> it sounds a little less altruistic at that point, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I can see, well, other thing you, you that tell in, like looking out for someone else's interests is also looking out for your own interests. I don't think that it's necessarily anything selfish about that. Now, if your motive is, I'm going to help uh, this guy for my right, own gain right. later. Then yeah, I think that there's a there's a hard issue. Well, it's there. just Christian hedonism, right? <laughs> is that what it is? It's what it is. Is that what Piper would say? That That's is? what he would say. Really? I think so. How would he? How would? How do you think he would phrase that? He says right that uh, God's most glorified in us. We're most satisfied in Him. Right? Sure. Right. So we're pursuing this joy, this thing for ourselves, but for the Lord. As we pursue it for the Lord, 
pursue it for ourselves mm-hmm. and make him joyful, we get joyful. Jay gets some money, I get some money. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I think that's exactly what Piper would say. You think? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as I was thinking about that, um, you, you know, when I think about Paul and this example that Paul gives when he says to live as Christ to die as gain, and he says, you know, I would much rather be with Christ because that's far better. Mm-hmm. But it's necessary for me to be with you. And when, when 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 Greg kind of pointed that out, like Paul admits, there's this thing that's far better than being with you. But right here, and that's to be with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. To be with Christ, to be to die and to be with Christ. But for now, I believe that it's true that Christ has made it necessary for me to be here with you, and and that means my fruitful labor. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that Tiffany really made had the best illustration. She said, you know, I, there's nothing more that I want to, but to be with the Lord. But I have kids, and I want to instill in those kids godly lifestyle, lifestyles and godly truths and teach them about grace and teach them about the gospel and do all those things before I go. And, you know, so Paul, I was thinking about this. Man, Paul, more than anyone else, had the right, in my opinion, to just say, hey, boys, I'm retiring. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go be with the Lord. But we see later on in Timothy when he says, you know, I poured my life out as a drink offering for a minute. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, I think the, I mean, it boils down to what Jesus said, that those who desire to follow Christ, they will pick up their cross and die. You know, and I think that's how we pursue, that's how we pursue the interest of others is, like, what are the things around you that mean gain for you? Ultimately, like, what is your greatest gain? Your greatest gain is Christ, and we mm-hmm. all want to be there. But man, that, like, Christ always also says in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, "We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand that we would walk in them." So while we're here, we're here to walk in those good works that Christ has laid out, and those good works are looking at the interests of others. Mm-hmm. That's not only our brothers; it's also like it, it is in the best interest of others that we tell them about Jesus so that they would be saved. You know. I don't know. So I really like how they just kind of took Paul's life and they just, here he is at the, about to die possibly in the, in prison. And then later on we see him write to Timothy and it's like, there's this, there's this time gap right here of just Paul's like, man, I'm going to live for fruitful labor for you, for all of you. And I just, I'm trying to think in my own life, you know, what does that look like? How does, how do I imitate the example because that was one of the questions last night in the Bible. Was, How do you imitate the example of Paul here? And, um, you know, I, I've really been thinking about that. Of how do I imitate the example of Paul and laying down what I really want, the gain that's up, you know, that this desire I have over here to be with Christ, to serve the brothers and of the church. It's just, um, it was an interesting thought. So I've been thinking through that, and I think you kind of took out a piece of that. I think one of the things that I think about, (laughs) um, I find myself apologizing to my wife a lot. Uh, One of the things that in our premarital counseling is um, Brad, the guy who married us. um, He said, hey, here's the thing about marriage. In your marriage, at some point, someone's got to die. And the whole point that he was getting at was, you're going to fight, you're going to argue, you're going to get on each other's nerves, but who is going to die to their pride, to their interest, 
and love the other one well, to have that sacrificial love that Christ shares for his bride well. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, you're the, you're the example setter for laying down your life as the husband, just as Christ laid down his life for his bride. And, you know, so those are things I try to be mindful of what interest or how can I look out for the interest of my own wife right now? And right now that might be cleaning up, you know, the house when she's had a long day at work or, you know, making sure dinner's ready if she came in late, um, just finding ways around the house. How can I serve you? How can I love you best today after I got home from work? You know, stuff like that. That's kind of immediate context for me mm-hmm. right now as I think about it. You got this look on your face like, how I got we a, get here? I got a couple different. I, as you as you talk about it, the more I think about it, it really is, it's pretty interesting how the nature of the thing is kind of, it is by nature sort of symbiotic when you think about how Paul thought about the church as a body, Christ being the head, and I was like, <clears throat> the whole church, the whole body being interwoven together, working together. Um, when one part suffers, the other part suffers. And mm-hmm. so when you think about that, I mean, like that's, this is just a way to kind of carry out the function of the body is to command uh, the members to be mindful of the other members, you know, to really, to really take that extra step and to be so involved and to care for somebody so much and to love somebody so much. It's not like a superficial love. It's not like a temporary love. It's not a, a momentary love. Or he says, look out not only after your own interests, but also the interests of others. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's understood that you're going to be looking out after your own interests because we have to be uh, wise stewards of the time and the resource that the Lord give us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're supposed to do that for somebody else. But that takes time and that takes effort. But as we look out for somebody else and as we help our brothers and sisters, as we encourage them in the faith, whatever the situation may be, I mean, like I'm being, I'm speaking in this in vague terms because it really is kind of a situation by situation thing. Yeah, it really is. I think sometimes it's a physical thing. I think sometimes it's a spiritual thing, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can look out after the physical interests of your brothers, which is which are in this. We're we're physical people, right? We're bound to our physical bodies. We Mm -hmm. have physical needs. and our spirits are bound to our physical bodies. We have spiritual needs. And so as we look out after our brothers and sisters, that then in turn enables them to look out after us and to look out after the other brothers and sisters. And so that kind of helps the whole body, the whole unit be more and more healthy. It's like you're building up one another to good works and love. Almost like that. Isn't that crazy how that works out? Paul pretty much says the same thing over and over through the whole Bible. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> um well, it, you know, and also if you think about that part where Paul talks about, you know, have this, he also says, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so I do think it's really important that one, Christ is the greatest example of laying down his own interest for mm-hmm. the interest of others, right? You know, we see that. I mean, the, the God of the universe who created all things, who sustains our very breath, would come down and lay down his life for his for his flock, like who does that? You know, like how how precious of a of, of a story is that? That you know, that's in our best interest. You know, it's not necessarily in his best interest to for himself to to be crucified and to be to take on the full wrath of God um, on our behalf. But man, he does it with joy in his heart. And I praise the Lord for for Christ and his his atoning sacrifice. Um, 
But I do think that it's important to note, too, we are very desperate. In order to look out for the interests of others, we need to be desperate to have the mind of Christ because we're, we're helpless without that. You know, like I'm think, I'm sitting out there thinking today, I had a couple mistakes in some of the yards here in the last few weeks. I haven't been paying attention. Some of it was a lack of paying attention. Some of it was just, I was telling Jay, man, I'm sorry, I was just being lazy, you know. And uh, that's not looking out for the best interest of him. But I got to thinking, like, what Jay was talking about this morning right before we went out is, you know, Christ, is his, his strength will be made known in our weakness. And I'm just sitting there looking around at all these mistakes that I made thinking, man, how weak and how foolish are you? You know, just needing the strength of, of Christ. And so if we're ever going to look out to the, for the interests of others, we really need to rely on the Holy Spirit to give us the strength and the desire to do that. And so if you find yourself like me, just feeling selfish and just wanting to do things your way so that you can get done with the job or so that you can get to get to your, you know, your special place at the house where you just get away from everybody or whatever, just ask yourself the question, is this really in the best interest of my spouse, of my boss, of my friend, or is this, or is this in my best interest? And if it's in your best interest, I would just encourage anyone, myself included, I'm preaching to myself mainly today, just flee from that sin and just you you can find rest in your work to help and serve in the interest of others this is a really you gonna you get anything I'm, I'm just listening man I'm thinking <laughs> I'm still I'm still thinking about five minutes back when you were talking about Jesus laying down his his not putting his interest first but putting our interest but first. It, it's a, I, when I as I said it, it felt kind of paradoxical because he kind of did put his interest first. I know, right? I know that. It's, I get it's it. a strange thing, which that's what I'm talking about. It's like a symbiotic thing. Yeah, it's different, right? The God man situation is a little different from us. Absolutely, right? But like in the same thing, like you know, Hebrews says, "For the joy that was set before him, he uh, endured the cross, despising the shame." Right? So like, like Jesus had an endpoint in focus whenever he did all those things. Like he absolutely did it for us. And he absolutely did it for his father's glory. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. That's the whole, I mean, that's Piper's, there again, that's Piper's whole Christian hedonism thing. It's like, right. as we glorify God, we also bring joy to ourselves. Like, we were created to glorify God. Like, we all have, like, this sense of, like, missing purpose or, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? It's a super simple answer. Yeah. Is you're supposed to glorify God. You do whatever glorifies God the most, and you're doing what you're supposed to do. And in that, you find everlasting joy peace, rest, in the Father, for mm-hmm. sure. You glorify God by building up his body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's it. Perfect. Never have to record another podcast. <laughs> there you go. I hope you feel encouraged. <laughs> um, you know what I didn't think about? Who's going to close us out? Am Not I Colton. Gonna, is that, yeah, Colton's not here. Do you want me to close this out? You can have it. I got to open up the notes. I forgot how to say it. You don't have memorized? This is your show. <laughs> it's not my show. Okay, here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Should I do it like Colton? Nah, we'll leave Colton alone. All right, that's going to wrap things up for us. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Exiles Pod, as well as private message us any question you may have or may want answered. You can also contact us with your questions by emailing us at theexilespod at gmail.com. We have a new pod every Tuesday. Before you exit, be sure to leave a review and share this episode with your friends. Until next time, peace.
catch you on the flippity flip. <laughs>